Every time I see a speaker introduced and he goes up to the podium and he's rearranging his stuff like this, I think of the story where the fifth grade fifth grader is asked to an overnight and then told to bring good clothes because the next day they're going to church. And he's never been in church before, and so he's just sitting on the edge of the pew and he's looking and he's looking. And the pastor came out and he says, why is he wearing a black dress? One of the other kids says, that's not a dress. It's a gown that shows his devotion to God. And he said, oh, okay. And service goes on and we come to a baptism and he said, why is he washing that baby's head? And the, little, the other little boy said, he's not washing his head, he's baptizing him. He's, he's washing him of his sin, dedicating him to God. And he said, oh, okay. Time for the sermon, and I hope I'm not stepping on Scott's toes, but the pastor comes out and he lays everything out and he takes his watch off and he looks at it and he lays it on the pulpit like that. He said, "What? why did he do that with his watch? What did that mean? And his old timer sitting beside him leaned over and he said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, but I see I had got a watch back there. But let us let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with us today as I share the work of the Gideons with this congregation. I also ask that you be with us and bless us as we look at your word and draw your word into our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. As Pastor God said, my name is Gary Doctor. I'm a member of the St. Paul Northeast Camp. Even though my wife and I live in Hudson, we attend church on the east side of St. Paul. And so we are members of the St. Paul Camp. About a hundred years ago, a couple of businessmen were traveling, and they were staying in a boarding house in the Midwest. And they decided that the rooms they had in the boarding houses should have Bibles in them. It would be another form of entertainment for what passes entertainment at that time for all the businessmen who were staying in those boarding houses. So they started to collect money, and soon they had enough money to put Bibles in the boarding houses in the Midwest, and then throughout the United States. And I, don't, I can't tell you how long that took. But that's what we're known for today. People say, you're a Gideon. Oh, yes, you, you put Bibles into hotels, don't you? And we say, yes. And it's a good way to be introduced when you say, I'm a Gideon. What, what's a Gideon do? We put Bibles in the hotels. Oh, yes, because everybody has seen a Gideon Bible in a hotel. In actuality, that's only about 5% of the Bibles that the Gideons pass out every year. The last time uh, I could find notes for, we were present in 200 countries, possessions, and territories, and we handed out the personal worker's testament. That's not the full Bible, that's this. And this is what you will probably see, and you'll probably see this in all different colors. Uh, different colors mean different things. This is called the Personal Worker's Testament. It's the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. 
and it has a number of helps in it that I will that I will talk about later. But we pass those out in over a hundred languages. About three years ago, last time uh, I could find numbers, we passed about 25 million of these in foreign countries and about 4 million in the United States. The take rate in the United States is about 15%. You offer it to 100 people, 15% are going to take it. And overseas, it's 100%. And if you hold a Bible up and have one Bible, you're going to have about five kids jumping, trying to get that Bible from you. The Testaments are placed in the five lanes of traffic. Hotels, schools, military, hospitals, and jails. People overseas are eager to get the Bibles because many of these, this is the only book they have in school and at home. They use it as a reader. They learn to read from it. They learn to write from it. And each time they're doing it, they're learning the Word of God. One man who was overseas in, uh, I believe it was China, talked about the only time he was scared was when they were in a room, a school, and they were passing out testaments and it looked like they were not going to have enough. And the kids started crowding forward to get their testaments. And he said, I was actually scared of what would happen if we would run out of testaments and not everybody would get one. And luckily, he said, we got enough. Everyone had it. Everyone got a, got a testament. It was fun. Another man tells the story of passing out Bibles in Swahili in Africa. And they were passing out Bibles, and suddenly this man is working his way against the stream coming up, and so he walked over to the side to talk to him and see what he wanted. And the man said, this Bible isn't Swahili, this Bible is Portuguese. It has a Swahili cover, but the inside is Portuguese. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. And he took it and he put it back and he gave him a, a Swahili one. And the man said, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. I want that Bible. So I gave him the Bible that was Portuguese and the man explained, my father-in-law lives with us and he speaks only Portuguese. He does not have a Bible. He's been praying for a Bible in Portuguese. And so he was telling that story that night at the dinner back at the hotel. And this one guy got up from the table and he said, just a minute, let me, let me, I'm going to check something. And he left and he came back and he said, Swahili Bibles are printed in North America and Africa. Portuguese Bibles are printed in Indonesia and Brazil. They don't cross paths. If, one, if each would have eyes, they wouldn't see each other. They're not stored in the same place. They're not shipped together. Nothing. So how did the Portuguese language get into the Bible? Well, if you're a Christian and a, and, a, and a Gideon, you immediately say, well, I believe in prayer. I, I think that man's prayer were answered. But... That's just an example of what can happen when you're in the Gideon. Another one told the story of four girls, teenage girls, 
and one of them received the Bible, and the other three didn't. And I don't know why that happened. So they were talking about what they were going to do. So the girl who had the Bible opened it up. She tore out Matthew. She gave it to a girl. Tore out Mark, Luke, and she kept John. When you're done reading your scripture, pass it to the next person. And they passed it on to the next person. All four of them read the Gospels. And then said, now what do you do? Well, the girl who owned the Bible was paging through it while she was waiting for the others to finish. And she remembered seeing the back cover. And she says, I know what we're going to do. And the back cover is my decision to receive Christ in my life as my Savior. And there is a place to sign, and there is a place to date it. And she passed it around, and they all signed it, they all dated it, and they all received Christ as their Savior of that day. One book, which probably now is about $1.80 to print and ship, brought four people to salvation that day. Remarkable stories. Handing out testaments in the United States is different. My wife and I handed out testaments at the University of St. Thomas, and people were happy to take them from there. Some people kind of scooted around the side. They didn't want anything to do with it. That was fine. Others would come and take them and talk about how great and how they were going to use theirs and how glad they were to have it. And it was just great that they would have them. At the University of Minnesota, the take rate is about 15%. There, they don't want the Bible. They tell you they don't want the Bible, and they'll argue with you about the contents of the Bible. So it's still very difficult in the United States, but you still hear some amazing testimonies, such as the woman who uh, was a satanic worshiper. Her father worshiped Satan. She was born, her mother left, she stayed with her father, and her father just talked about Satan all the time. When she was old enough to start questioning that, he started beating her. And as she got older and became old enough, became of age, she thought she had the solution. She got pregnant, married the man, and found out that he was like his father, like her father. He would beat her, he worshipped Satan, everything else. She decided one day that she was going to go out and just end it all. And she got in her car, drove out to the country into an approach, like many of them that you see around here. She put the seat back and was going to get ready to commit suicide, and her hand slipped between the seat and the council. And she felt something. She started feeling around for it, and she, she pulled out a potion of Yerker's testament. She said, I don't know how, it, how this got there, because I bought the car from a, a drug dealer, and he was one bad man. He wouldn't be reading the personal worker's testament, but maybe before. She took this and started looking through it, and in the front, there are help sections that... Uh, It'll, it'll tell you everything that you want to know. So if you look up, if you look up guilt, it lists three scriptures, and because 
most people don't know the Bible that well, it'll list three scriptures and it lists the page number on which you can find them. There is suicide. There's any a number of problems that you could be going through at the time. And she looked through that, and I don't know if she found suicide, what category she found, what scripture she found, but she decided that she was going to live, and she changed her life. She went home, she moved out, she did everything she had to do, and today she's married to a pastor of a church. She is the music director who plays the piano. Her son and family are the, are the Sunday school leaders, and so she just turned her life around tremendously uh, because of the Gideons. So Americans are turning their back on God. Our decreasing social values, we're looking out for number one, we don't care about anybody else, is spreading throughout the world. And what are we as individuals to do? There is an urgency in Matthew 28 when Jesus says, go out into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, hey, everybody over the age of 50 needs to go out. He's not saying, hey, we need just to go to the uh, Spanish-speaking countries. He's saying, everybody through all the world, everybody needs to go out and witness to everybody through the world. A survey found that 5% out of 100, 5 people out of 100 in the next year will share their faith with another person. 95 people for lack of for fear or for whatever reason will not share their faith with anybody else. They keep it very private. So there is something that we have to do. We have to work on that. We have to all share our faith. And there are a number of ways you can do it. I, of course, would advise you to become a Gideon, or you can speak to Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott, like most pastors, probably has just a litany of programs he's got there, just waiting to get the people to come to him and start, and then he'll get them, he'll get them going. But something that happened to me and my wife this summer, or the, the, yeah, this summer, that I had never realized was we were out to eat at restaurants and they brought us our food and the server set the food down and the man said, man with us, said, we're about ready to pray for this food. Is there anything we can pray for you? And I just kind of sat back and said, you're going to get a plate of gravy thrown in your face. <laughs> And this server looked at him and said, yes, my grandmother is very old and she's having problems and we want to keep her with us for a long time. And another server unloaded on my wife and the person she was having lunch with about a divorce her family was struggling with. So you see, and Pastor Scott addressed that. There are people out there who are struggling, who are having faith, or who are having problems. And we're just saying, hey, you know what? I'll pray for you. You got cancer? You got lung cancer? You got two weeks to live? Hey, I'll pray for you. Don't worry. And we go home and we say, oh, yeah, I talked to Bob yesterday. What was, what was he doing? Pray for him right there. I have a Gideon friend who calls me. In fact, he's the one who called me about today. 
and he called me and he told me about all what I need to do and everything else. And he says, oh, and Gary, we need to do one more thing. I said, yeah, Jarvis, what's that? He says, we need to pray. And he prayed right there. He prayed for me. He prayed for the Gideons. He prayed for everybody. And he prayed that I would stand up here and do okay. And I'm probably thinking that he's praying for me right now, wherever he is at. Of course, he couldn't come and do this because he said that he had something that he had to do for that. This year we were at an event where the theme was to hold fast. And it's from the English Standard Version. You don't find hold fast too much in the New International Version, but hold fast is very prominent in the English Standard Version. In Philippians, it says, Paul is speaking, Philippians 2, 14 to 16, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that they may be blameless and innocent, children of, ch children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among you shine as lights in the world, holding fast, holding fast to the word of life. We, like Paul, live in a crooked and twisted generation. And we need to hold fast. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, 16, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it lights the whole house. So we're being told to hold fast and to shine for people. Hold fast to God and shine for the world to see. Our mission, as I see it, is to rescue the lost. As I've mentioned to others, we are to be a light to others. The same speaker mentioned three things that we need to do to hold fast and be a light for others. We need to obey God. We've all sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is probably the most damaging thing that can happen to us. Remember a few years ago when all the tele-evangelists fell out of favor? I mean, left and right they were being uh, disabused and thrown out and everything like that. And there's a story of one man going to one of the tele-evangelists before this happened, and he's saying, you know, you're getting that kind of out of control. You're, you're demanding some stuff here, and you're saying some stuff that really that really isn't appropriate. And I suggest that you cool it. And the man looked at him and he said, you know who you're talking to? That man thought he was bigger in God's word. He thought he could do what he wanted. He thought he was right. What he said, what that was, was what he was doing was right. Somebody could be watching us just waiting for us to make a mistake. If we make a mistake, if we sin and we just kind of blow it off and laugh, and, uh, that's not a very good impression for a Christian to be doing. But if we break, a, if we break, if we sin, break one of God's laws, we must immediately confess and pray for forgiveness. It's not hard. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That's my verse. That's when I was hiding in, in when we were doing as a group. We were doing uh, the Lord's Supper. And I was hiding in the back because I knew that if God saw me there, 
he was going to send the bolt of lightning and other people were going to get hurt. Because I grew up in a church that, that emphasized works. At the same event I was at, somebody was talking about grace. And I sat there and I said, grace, what is, what is grace? I didn't know about grace. I just knew about works. And I knew that I hadn't done enough works to convince myself and to convince God that I was fairly nice guy not to worry about. So not only do we have to obey God, we have to keep our attitude in check. Bad attitude in check. Colossians 4, 5-6 Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Your answer should be gracious. If you don't know the answer, you don't blow the man off or the woman. You don't blow him off. You tell him that you don't know at that time, and you will go and find the answer, and you will get back to them. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. I don't know what you're saying right now, but I will look it up and I will get back to you. And you need to get back to them and you need to do it. And then you need to hold fast. The word must be inside you. You must live the word. You must walk the walk. It is not something that you thought, you know, I heard once where this and this is. Walk the walk, talk to talk. Hold fast to the command of God. Hold fast and shine. That is what we need to do. If you are interested in holding fast and shining and wanting something to do, of course, I can invite you to become a Gideon real fast and join the scripture blitz that we're having next year in the Twin Cities. We're planning on giving out 400 testaments and Bibles. We have, we have these which we give to hotels and, and uh, lobbies and offices and stuff like that. So it, it, we're going to do that in four days. And we're going to need help. So if you're interested in helping, that's one way you can help. Like I said before, you can also talk to Pastor Scott. What does Pastor Scott have for you? He can have a number of things that he'll want you to do. One last testimony, and this one is kind of amusing. There was a young man, he was half Afro-American, he was half Asian. His father was stationed in Taiwan during the Vietnamese War. And he was born in Taiwan to a Taiwanese mother. He said he didn't have any rights in Taiwan as, as, a, as a mixed child. And so his, parent, his grandparents came and got him when he was about seven. And he lived with his grandparents for seven years. And his grandparents would read the word of God every night. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful existence. Till his father came and got him again when he was 14 years of age. His father was gone on tour, on duty, on doing stuff. And he was in and out. And he just kind of spiraled downward from there. But the one thing he always remembered, he's always remembered the word of God and reading the Bible. And he didn't have a Bible. 
He wanted a Bible. So he ended up getting through high school. He ended up going to the Navy, placed on a ship, went down to the ward room one day, and lo and behold, there on a shelf with the games and the puzzles and everything else was a Gideon Bible. But he didn't want to pick it up and use it because he didn't want Gideon to come back and ask for his Bible and not, and not find it. So he started to check around if anybody knew Gideon so that he could use that uses Bible. And people were checking all over for Gideon. And then finally somebody came back and said, you know, I think there was a Gideon about two or three tours ago, and he probably left it here. And so he felt, eh, that's good. I can use a Bible now, and if he comes looking for it, I can just tell him that, and everything will be okay. So he didn't use the Bible because he felt that Gideon would be upset. This Bible in hotels, whenever you see this Bible, if you're on vacation, you're, you're going to the West Coast for a month. I didn't say East Coast, I said West Coast. If you go West Coast for a month, you get to Brandon, South Dakota, you check in a hotel, you forgot your Bible at home. And one of these is in the nightstand? Take it. That's what they're there for. All the hotels, and they're getting, they're starting to get less and less because some of them will tell you they took them out for, uh, because of COVID, and they're in the process of putting them back in. But they're not. So if there's no Gideon Bible in your room, ask about it. But most hotels have extra Bibles that they can restock, those that are being taken. There's also another plan that I'd like to mention to you, and that's a Gideon card. We have Gideon cards, and we have memory cards, we have pastor appreciation cards, we have uh, a number of cards. These cards are free to you, and I don't think you have any here, but I think you may be getting some, and they're on a rack. And so a good friend dies, that's a terrible example to pick. You, you, want to give, you want to give Pastor Scott something for pastor appreciation. You know, pa Pastor Scott's driving a big car, living in a big house. He's just got everything he needs, okay? He doesn't need more cash or more gift cards. So what you can do is in here is you can donate how many Bibles at $5 a piece. You want to donate 50 Bibles, whatever. And so you tell Scott that you donated 50 or five Bibles, be reasonable, five Bibles, $25 worth of Bibles, to the Gideons, and you donated by your name, Gary, Gary and Carolyn Doctor, yada, yada, yada. And you send this card to Scott, and you say, thank you for all your hard work. We admire you, and we appreciate you. And then you put your money in here, and you send it off to the Gideon camp. And they will use this money. This money is used to buy Bibles. And I failed, I failed to mention that, is that there will be a short offering when you leave today that you can, you can if you don't want to give any money at all, that's fine. If you want to give us a huge check, that's fine. If you... The, the, the testaments 
cost about a dollar eighty a piece at this time. They're, they went up after COVID. All the money we received is used to print and ship testaments. If I go to uh, one of the men we listened to, he went to China. He said, I realized I was at the other side of the world when he showed a sign on the slide and it says, for an emergency, dial 119. He said, when everything was backwards, I realized I was on the, on the other side of the world. But if you go to China on a scripture blitz or hand out, a, hand out Bibles, you pay your own way. You pay your airline, you pay your hotel, you pay your food. If you travel for Gideons, you pay your own way. Gideon money that we collect from the public is used only for printing and shipping. So that's all I have to say. I think I finished in time, maybe a couple of minutes late. Thank you for the pleasure of speaking to you. And uh, maybe one day I'll see you at a Gideon meeting. Thank you.